0: Welcome to Bruinsource. Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we are back uh, in February. You know, we've been a little inconsistent, but we're we're going to try to get better at this. Uh, new Year, <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of a lot of travel going on for the both of us, but hopefully we can uh, get back into rhythm uh, since there's a lot lot going on with UCLA right now. Where where do we even start here? Football?
1: Oh. Yeah, the football program is kind of like how we felt at the end of that marathon that we just ran. Mm. So not good. You like where I went with that? Yeah, you like where I went with that? <laughs> yeah.
0: we Kevin and I both ran a half marathon um, with a bunch of our friends from UCLA. Would not recommend it. It's not, not fun, but hey,
1: we survived. And uh,
0: we didn't feel great
1: afterwards. And you gotta let me get my shameless plug in. You gotta let me get my shameless plug in. What? We ran it at the site where UCLA's last chance at a football national championship was officially roasted. You had to go there. You really had to do. go there. How fitting. We're about to talk about the football program, and you know what better place to start than there? Well, that's where uh, dreams go to die, I guess. And where we're talking about, we'll let you know whoever's listening figure that out. Uh, hint. It was 1998. People, people, people should know.
0: But there you go. Maybe some of the younger fans don't know. I don't know. I don't know what uh, what people know and don't know. But UCLA football history is a is a um, topic for another day. We're going to talk about what's going on today, though. Um, not history. What, the current day and current state of UCLA football and. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's kind of embarrassing where we where we stand.
1: Yeah, when your coach is actively out there seeking a demotion and you're keeping him around and like the staff is jumping ship wherever they can. I don't know what else is a dumpster fire. I, I don't know if if we've ever seen this before in any Power 5 program. I, I, honestly, I don't know. Like has any power five head coach actively seeked a demotion somewhere? I don't think so. I mean, like I, I can't think of it. And like, and I'm not going to go look it up now. I don't even know how you'd look it up. Like you can't even look that up. It's not. Yeah. I don't think this is a recorded stat. or
0: anything
1: anywhere, but. <laughs> Cause it's just a, such a stupid thing. Who would, what, what power five head coach Actively seeks demotions, and the school is like keeping him.
0: It's embarrassing. I mean, that's uh, wait, No, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's embarrassing. You had opportunities to can this guy. You had opportunities to replace him with good candidates. You didn't. Who were interested
1: in UCLA? Who were interested right? in UCLA? Smith, Fish, They were interested.
0: And now we're stuck with a lame duck
1: coach for
0: all intents and purposes. At least that's the way things stand today. And and I don't think things are going to change for at least another year going into a new conference. And that coach is looking to leave (laughs) and has been looking to leave. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And we've gone in depth on this. Uh, The buck has to stop with Martin Jarman on this thing, and it has not. And here we are.
1: Yeah. What's I think – look, this is like the surface level stuff, right? Everyone knows that at this point Chip has been very actively looking for NFL offensive coordinator jobs. He's He tried in Las Vegas. He failed. He tried in Seattle, failed. Tried in Washington, failed. And so I think you round it out, like you see the result. And then beyond that – He actively put his name out for the Boston College head coaching job, right? Um, Like there was some Twitter sphere news about that, which probably sounds like an agent shopping a name, right? So I think what's really embarrassing now is you look at the end of this, no one wants him. The allure of Chip Kelly is officially dead. The, The whole offensive genius, the stuff at Oregon, like that's all gone now. It is well in the past and the entire industry knows it. And it's been proven now, um, you know, the the quote-unquote offensive genius can't find a demotion to go and land in. And Boston College, what serious college, not even a non-serious college program would touch Chip Kelly? Like, who, who would want someone who runs a program this way just actively not recruiting? He just signed UCLA's worst-ever recruiting class in the history of of recorded statistics about recruiting classes um and no one wants that and so that's i think the really eye-opening thing about this is it's embarrassing enough he was looking for it he didn't get it
0: it's it's hard to fathom at this point i there's 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 a level of ineptitude here that i i think is even for ucla uncharted territory which is hard which is shocking to say as a ucla football fan it is it has gotten to a point where you think that it's it can't get any lower and yet somehow it gets lower uh and and i don't think there's an end in sight here right there's no there's no, at least for the next season, there's no end in sight. We're going to be stuck with him. We know he's kind of checked out. We know he's not going to care. If he's ever cared here, I don't know. Um, and, and again, this all comes down to, look, for fans, yes, it sucks. We're going to lose. There's It's going to be bad, you know, going into the um, new conference. You know, there's revenue impacts, all that. But really, let's focus on just the players for a second. This is a disservice to these players who have chosen to play for UCLA. And yes, they, can, they transfer in and out. All that now is, is perfectly legal in the new rules. But for, for these players to have a coach who is just not going to care to put them in any positions of success... Is really, really just a complete lack of fail, a lack of leadership, and a complete failure on UCLA's part. And I'm not talking about Chip's fault. We already know, or Chip's role in this. We already know Chip has failed in this. But again, this goes beyond Chip. This goes to the leadership of UCLA athletics and ultimately UCLA as a school. Like, we brought these players in to play football, to be successful, and we have leadership and infrastructure to not support them in that it's sad it really is sad when when we all know it doesn't need to be like this
1: no it doesn't have to be like this i'd say look is there any way to turn the 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 wrongs to a right you have a year now um if if one thing that may come out of this is had chip kelly left the 30-day transfer window portal uh would have opened right because when the code change happens you get 30 days to to just basically shop free agency um and that's probably not going to happen now for ucla so you have a roster you know going into next year a smart athletic i mean if you're smart you wouldn't be in the situation so i guess a forward-thinking athletic department might use the year to get the infrastructure around the program set up so that when you make a coaching change next year, you have all the things in place for a coach to be successful. I think one of the eye-opening things and and then one of the reasons we got in this situation uh, this off season with Chip Kelly, because Chip Kelly is, the the results have not been any better than they have been in the past. Um, They they kind of are what they have been. So why did we get in this, in this position? And I think it's largely because Chip Kelly in the transfer portal went out there and just saw that no one bought it. No, no one was interested. And, and, and we got some transfers. We plugged in some holes. But nobody that we got was really actively considering other high major programs and such. Um, there was not real any big recruiting battles that we won. Uh, and I think that was an eye-opener. And part of that you have to think is the lack of NIL infrastructure that sits around the program. And any head coaching vacancy in any sport going forward, football or basketball, you're going to need to have that. So, hey, maybe the school can use the next year to build that up um, so that it's in place, even if they're not going to donate to Chip Kelly, right? It's in place for the next coach when that time comes around. I don't know.
0: The rumors have been that there's a lot of donors waiting on the sidelines waiting for Chip to move. I don't know how true that is. If that is true, that points to, you know, what you just mentioned, you know, coming to fruition, hopefully in the future when Chip does move on or we move on from Chip. But but again, there's no guarantees in that, right? Like, (laughs) I don't know what it would take for those donors to actually step in. And frankly, if those donors are just sitting on money. They probably should have just donated to get him out sooner rather than later. But I I don't know where that stands. But yeah, I I think the best way to forge ahead right now is to look beyond Chip Kelly and and look at, hey, this guy's not going to be here forever. We hope this is his last season. Um, You know, depending on how things go, it most likely will be. At least it should be if uh, things go the way we think they will. I just I don't know. It's hard to predict um, where where we go beyond from there with with how this school has been running things. But yeah, that's that's really really the only way to kind of survive <laughs> UCLA football fan is looking ahead post Chip Kelly, hoping that we can get some competent coaching in, hoping that the, our leadership at some point steps up. And again, we've talked about this. A lot of this is kind of dependent on the new chancellor stepping in this summer as well who that ends up being if they value athletics they don't value athletics there's a lot of factors here um the point is we're we're kind of dead in the water going into year one of the big 10 it feels like
1: and it's a shame it's a shame um i'll throw this last thing out there um you know just as a a prayer for me on, on multiple levels because uh, i guess there's one last spot that chip kelly could go to and that's bill o'brien might get the boston college job um and there's already you know buckeye bloggers and such out there that are saying chip might be someone that ryan day calls because they got a history there uh, to go be offensive coordinator at ohio state um hey a man can dream uh, that <laughs> on multiple levels, but uh, you, you know, a, a, man, a man can dream. Because I mean, on one hand, that'd be like such a slap in the face. Like you're going to believe, like head coach of UCLA to go be an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Um, but that looks like you know the last active thread that's alive in the blogger sphere out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm. There, this is obviously not great optics for UCLA, right? that your head coach is willing to take a demotion to leave your school. And I think most fans, including myself would say, we don't care at this point what the optics are. Let's just get him out of here. But what I am curious to know is how is the media kind of viewing this? Right. I mean, Chip has had his buddies that have always kind of come to bat for him when things get go sideways for him or get weird for him. But how does the broader media kind of spin this in his favor? Like, are are is the like you mentioned is the sheen of Chip Kelly really worn off to where even the media is going to acknowledge that or are they going to spin it some way where, you know, it it purely looks badly on UCLA. I I don't know. My guess is that, uh, that his media buddies do probably step in and uh, put some spin on it to make make him look okay coming out of this. But yeah, it's it's not not a good look for anybody and obviously. I, I think optics-wise, it's probably UCLA comes out of it worse, but
1: like I said, I don't, I don't know care. how, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't care, I don't know how you spin going from UCLA head coach to offensive coordinator of Ohio State, and again, this is like blog rumors right now, um, I don't know how you spin that one, but like the NFL one, I think, and this is how I think the Chip Buddies were, were starting to spin it, which is, um, you know, coaching in college is such a mess right now, and uh, and, you know, NFL, you don't have to deal with the transfer portal and NIL, and I think that's how like that was going to be spun, um, which I think we could have survived. That's, but on the other hand, maybe that whole thing might be a blessing in disguise. I mean, what UCLA needs next is a coach that's especially in this era where. There are so many aspects of the job now. It's not just being a football coach. It's not even just recruiting. It's re-recruiting your players. It's always making sure you have donors on your side for NIL support. There's so much more time that needs to be dedicated to so many things that you need a coach that will grind, that is motivated to win, um, and is motivated to sleep in the office and just put in the hard yards and that might end up being like an up and coming coordinator or a you know group of 5 head coach like that might be the best way forward i think we've seen enough examples now where you can get that kind of a coach so long as you do your vetting and make sure that they're into the right stuff and you know they can they're good at least on one side of the ball and all that stuff like that might be the best way forward and also you do that you're not beholden to someone for several years you you hire i don't know offensive coordinator at a big time school or a head coach of a group of five you probably don't have a big buyout after two or three years uh so i i'm of the i i'm more and more convincing myself that's the way to go anyways and if this is how the media thing plays out then then fine that's how we're gonna have to go
0: let's see we have a we have a a whole year. We got think, a whole
1: year for that
0: to yeah to figure that out. Unfortunately, um, but hey, there's other sports going on uh, right now. Switching gears to basketball, um, I think if you had come to us a month ago, we probably would have been as equally down on the basketball program as we were as we are on on football. But holy shit, the last really four or five games but really the last three have we turned shit around like i um i was on close to the edge of you know (laughs) being an irrational fire mick cronin territory after the utah game and i think we talked about that a little bit before um but my God, it's been a 180 heel turn, and it's been incredible to watch, to watch this team really turn the corner here. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it coming, but I am very happy that, that it did.
1: Yeah, we won 5 of 6. Really, it should have been 6 of 6, if not for you know, a tough whistle up at McHale. Um, but, man, we were left for dead after that Utah game when our leading scorer was 9 points, um, you know, one of the worst defeats in school history, and it looked like we were getting worse with every game. Uh, you know, for for about a month there, it looked like it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know where this has come from, but but then again, I, I guess we should know where it's come from because this is the yearly scheduled release of the Micron and Special mid January, late January. Team turns around and starts putting it all together. Um, and, and, and obviously, you know, everyone's right now drawing the parallel to the first season, right, where you had a similar start. I think we we're, we're a little worse starting this year than we did that first year. Um, but now we've started to get on a run, and, and we'll see how far we can sustain this. I think we said before, or we said after the Utah game that, you know, we weren't concerned with wins and losses. We just wanted to see players improve. And I still think we still believe that. But I think part of us saying that was just coming from the standpoint that we didn't think we could win a whole lot of games this year. And now we have. And I would argue that sustaining this winning momentum now for the rest of the year is as important as anything because it looks like we do have horses on this team. There are are players to develop and go into next year to make a serious run. And the best way to develop is I think to continue to win. Uh, These players need to taste winning. They need to like it. They need to love it. They didn't know how to do it because that's McCronan basketball. And-,
0: and and to that point, I, I think if you look back at some of the comments McCronin uh, made earlier in the season, right? He talked a lot about look, the team has a lot of talent, we know the the roster well as coaches, but what they these guys don't know is how to win. And I think what we've seen over the last few weeks is them figure out how to actually win these games. We've been in a lot of close games this season. Minus that Utah game, like there was not any other really memorable beatdown type losses in, in this season, right? And we hung tough with a lot of good teams and we just didn't know how to win. Now I think we've we've kind of turned that corner and have figured out how to close games out, how to hold on to leads. How not to get frazzled if we do give up a lead? All of that is kind of being learned by, by a very young team, which, you know, we, we knew would happen at some point. It just felt really out of reach this season. Um, and look, I, I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that we're going to win the next nine games, but I think this is a team that looks like they could do it. Like, it's not out of the question that they could win the next nine games. But let's 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 start with some of the players that that were really carrying this team and have really helped turn this around. And I think the first guy we have to talk about is Dylan Andrews. The guy went from being almost unplayable to not looking like a point guard to not looking like a Pac-12 type player to being an absolute monster at the point. I mean, he is he has looked unstoppable. On both ends of the court, he is locking up the opposing uh, team's best guard, and doing it while he's shooting efficiently. He's facilitating the offense well. He's he's assisting. Uh, I mean, like the guy. I don't. I don't know what what happened or when that switch turned on. But he looks like an all conference type player right now.
1: Dylan Andrews right now is going to the Tiger Campbell school of point guard. You remember the 2019 20 season, you know, early in that year where it was a lot of similar kind of chatter from, from the UCLA fan group, right? Like Tiger Campbell, like he's too small. He can't play. He's not cut out to play point guard at this level. We, We need, we just need to be better. And that year went on and we saw, you know, that, that mid range game develop. We saw him become more comfortable as a facilitator. And, I think, honestly, it's been a very similar arc this year for Dylan Andrews. Looked lost early on. And then down that stretch of that month where we lost four straight, he he just was at a complete loss of confidence. Guys were pressing up on him. Like, walk-on guys were pressing up on him. And he just refused to drive by him when he's way quicker and faster than everyone. And now it's just the switch has flipped for him. He knows where his spots are, right? He's found that, that elbow jumper. He's found that mid range area and then he's playing off of it too. So he gets there, he can get into the lane, he could finish. Um, And then now he's also started to develop as a passer. right? The, the lobs, the post entries. It's not a finished product yet. I think that's the exciting part about this, right? Uh, There's still a lot of improvement for, for Dylan Andrews to come because he's a better athlete than Tiger Campbell could ever hope to be. Uh, And so I think this has been a good 3 game run. What we'd love to see now is for him to build on this, right? If he keeps this standard of play, then there's no reason that we can't dream big for, you know, the end of the year when the Pacto tournament and stuff comes around. His development is is one of the more critical things for the for, for the rest of the year because if we know that we have a point guard going into next year, that changes the entire offseason. It changes all of our priorities.
0: And you you talked a lot about his offensive skill set. That doesn't even mention the defense he's playing. I mean, look at at the guys he's been guarding the last three games. Boogie Ellis, who known UCLA killer. I mean, that guy can suck all season long generally. And you see UCLA on the schedule and he'll drop 30 on you. Eight points. Three for 10 shooting that night. Jordan Pope. Played excellent defense on him. He's, you know, Pope scored 14, but that's below his average. And he he really just stuck to Pope the entire game, frustrated him all all night long. Same thing against Oregon. Jackson's shell stat scored 10 points and was 5 for 12 shooting. Did not hit a single three-point shot while Dylan Andrews was guarding him. I mean, look, this guy is playing excellent excellent defense I mean he is becoming that go-to you know guard ball stopping type of of defender that we've you know come to know and love with Mick Cronin defenses Dylan Andrews is that guy right now I mean he is absolutely um, taking that challenge of defending the best player on the court for the other team and rising up to it game in and game out and i mean it's been it's been glorious to watch you you gotta love how this kid has developed in such a short amount of time after so many people were out on him um i I have nothing but respect and kudos to him and and to your point, like you mentioned earlier, if this development continues, then yes. The, the the backbone of this team for next season is set from a point guard perspective.
1: Now, I think the next player to go to, and, and I would arg- actually argue that this is the big catalyst here, um, and that's Adem Bona. Um, you know, so many five-star kids uh, are athletic as shit, um, can jump out of a gym and particularly bigs, right? Because of that, they just they play way too fast. They weren't ever taught how to actually play, play basketball. And Adem Bona in the last month and a half has completely transformed. Um, like whatever Darren Savino and Mick Cronin were telling him, like it got to, into his head. because. And, and the reason you can see why Mick wanted to build the entire offense around him, he's the only person where you as a defense you need to rotate to him you need to he's a mismatch if he's one-on-one he ha- and any his finishing skills and such improve which they have now then you need to, to double him you need to rotate and that's the that's the best chance that ucla has to then like actually set up offense around him and to his credit what he's done extremely well is because he's become a lot more patient he's he's catching the ball becoming a lot more patient seeing where double teams come from and then the ball is moving and then we're making open shots it's i mean it's not rocket science right you hear this from coaches all the time when the ball moves you're gonna shoot it better the ball was just dead uh for for about two months for us and now the ball is moving and all of a sudden you know we're shooting i think 30 39 over the last seven games or so um which is which is crazy so that, to me, I think, is the start of this. And, and Mick Cronin said it at the beginning of the year. If we're going to go anywhere, a Dem bonus need to going to be like an All-American. Dylan Andrews is going to be need to be like an All-Pac-12. Um, and I don't know if either of them are... I, I, would, I don't know if Dem is quite All-American. I don't know if... I think Dylan Andrews, right now, in the last three games, he's better than, than, than just a conference player. So that's, I think, the foundation stones of the team itself. And then you look at the rest, right? Um, Lazar Stefanovich... Shooting he's a streaky much better. Play. And, and he's shooting way way better he's shooting in rhythm with confidence why because I think it's because the ball is moving um he's comfortably getting into his spots instead of just forcing his way up and just feeling like he has to shoot every shot because no one else can or will he's shooting much better Sebastian Mack, again because the ball is moving now like defenses actually have to respect okay like if I pay attention to Bona then Mac will will run by me if I pay attention to him, then, like, there is a big man down low or the ball will move out and, like, they can shoot. Like, it, it's basic stuff if you think about it. But it, it all starts, I think, with the ball moving, getting into the post, getting out, and a point guard in Dylan Andrews that can make shots. Um, that, that's, that's where all this is stemming from.
0: What also has been really fun to watch is certain guys have stepped up throughout this this run. Uh, And random guys in some ways that we wouldn't have expected. Um, But starting with Brandon Williams, who's kind of stepped into that starting uh, four spot for Burke while he was hurt and kind of still adjusting to the game. I mean, Brandon Williams is not going to have a stat line that really jumps off the screen for anybody. But he plays solid defense for his age. He knows where to be at the right time. He knows his spots on both defense and on offense. He has a knack for getting timely, timely rebounds. And the kid has been respectable from three, where he, if you leave him open, he can shoot it on you. Um, so, he, you know, his, his ability to step into that role at such a young age has been really, really cool to watch. And we've shouted him out on the show plenty of times, but he's really been integral to this team. The other guy that stepped in, uh, other two guys that have kind of stepped in and out over the last few games are Devin Williams, who's come in, you know, he looks raw, but he's played some valuable minutes. And Jan Vide, who seems to be getting a little bit more acclimated and a little bit more comfortable handling the ball, getting to his spots um, in that mid-range game. Some of those shots aren't dropping, but you see... How he can get to those spots and how in the future, like when he's more comfortable and more confident, he'll be making those shots. The last guy I want to shout out, Adai Mara. Adai Mara, I think, is officially starting to take Kenny Nuba's minutes. And no knock on Kenny Nuba, but this is nothing but a good thing here for everybody involved. I think Adai Mara has gotten to the point where his defense is no worse than Nuba's, but his offense is significantly better. You see the footwork. You see how he is able to move down low. The passing, it's all starting to kind of click for him. And he he's, looks stronger. He looks stronger with the ball. He's not getting stripped. He seems to understand a little bit better where he needs to be. He's rebounding the ball a little bit better. And I just want to shout out one thing from the, the last game, the Oregon game. That pick and roll with him and Dylan Andrews was a thing of beauty it looked almost unstoppable and you can see how Mara fits into this picture when he is playing at a high level. Like it's, it's that, that there was a sequence uh, in that game where they ran like two or three pick and rolls with him that he looked unstoppable. Some of those shots didn't go in, but they were excellent, excellent looks. Um, And so it's, it's a credit to him to keep grinding and start earning these minutes. And it's a credit to Mick Cronin to actually start giving him these minutes. I think Mick has this reputation of being, you know, very strict and, and rigid with his rotations, but I, I think we're seeing him adjust uh, how guys are getting into the game and some of the, the minutes distribution is changing. So, so this is all, all good stuff there. The, the other thing I want to talk about, aside from the players, is just the team defense has been excellent. I, I think we're, we're holding teams in the Pac-12 to their lowest um, shooting percentage.
1: Is that right? Yeah, our shooting percentage defense is the best in the Pac-12. Our defensive efficiency is second in the Pac-12 uh, to Arizona. For such a young team, that's pretty uh, that's pretty great.
0: And just it's really to... great. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, it's really great. That's, again, it's always going to be the foundation of Mick Cronin teams. What you're seeing in the last six games, I think, it just broadly says something about the program going forward, which is like, it, if we're going to be successful, it's going to look like this. It's, it, and it's There's no funny business. There's nothing fancy about it. We're going to play good defense. We're going to take care of the ball. We're going to turn you over. And we're going to try to either draw or beat you in the glass. And, you know, it's it's the Cronin math formula. This is never going to be the place where you're going to see the up tempo offense, where you're going to run up and down the court. It's that's not that's not us. And and I'm fine with that. Like this is a sustainable method. It it can work so long as you have players that can execute and do it uh, on a year-to-year basis. And more than anything, this team has learned how to play that way. Um, the Oregon game, I think, was the the biggest you know example of that against you know our best win of the year. Uh, you know we we beat them on the glass. We barely lost the turnover battle, and so you know extra possessions. They they shot a worse percentage than us. We're going to win we the game. We won the
0: turnover battle, by the way. Uh,
1: Seven to ten.
0: We? Yep. We turn it yeah, over no, I'm, I'm an idiot.
1: I'm, I'm reading that the wrong way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, the bigger number is worse. Uh, so yeah, we, we won the turnover battle. So there you go, right? I mean, that's Mick and basketball. We're learning how to play it. And you hope you can get better and better at that. I think from a player standpoint, everyone's got to keep improving. But I think if, if I were to ask for a couple more things for the rest of the year, it's a Daimara taking more and more of Kenny Nuba's minutes, like you, like you said, because I think, you know, if you listen to Mick, like the, those shots fall in practice all the time. So it's a matter of time before they start to translate into games. And you hope that if he gets the opportunities, he takes advantage of them. Um, so that's the, that's the one thing. And then the other thing is Berke Buktonjel, because he's, he just looks way too big and way too talented to not be better than what he's doing right now. Um, I like Brandon Williams. I think I think very highly of Brandon Williams. I think he's the trademark four-year player that will be very good his junior and senior year and will always be a solid contributor here. I don't I mean, ideally and, and on any other UCLA team that's contending, this version of Brandon Williams is probably not starting, right? No, definitely not. Ber- Berke Buchtengelll, that that's someone who has the upside right now. To elevate this team um and and you get one more dependable player in there and i think you got a squad you got like then you got the makings of of of, of something here yeah so i mean those the, would be my two the asks.
0: biggest thing for burke I, I think this season is just stay healthy and stay on the floor I, I mean he's been hurt he's been sick he's been hurt again like he just hasn't had the opportunity to, to play in practice and You've seen it when he's had been able to consistently string some games together. You start seeing it click a little bit, but he's just seemed to have some bad luck this season, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think I think getting him in there, getting him comfortable, and getting him back in game shape is is going to be really important down the stretch. The question then arises: <laughs> with we, uh, we are now six and five in conference a game and a half out of first somehow which is wild to say because again four weeks ago five weeks ago we were almost dead last we were like 11th so the way we've climbed back has been incredible what are your actual realistic expectations for this team in terms of making the tournament right now
1: making the tournament to me is still a long shot and it's an obvious thing to say because look like it could this team go on a 2020 like run um and close the season really stronger like rip off like eight of nine or something like that sure but i also don't know if i think we've improved a lot you look at the teams ahead of us right now um you know we beat we're done with oregon um, Arizona has to come to Poly. Utah and Colorado are, are are both formidable teams. Stanford, I think, has been is better than than we think, right? They beat us on our floor, and they just went to to Tucson and, and gave them gave them a game. I say all that to say, I mean, we can beat all those teams, but to beat all of them consecutively in a row, th- that would need a lot of things, I think, to go right. So. I'm not sure if that kind of run is, is realistic. Now, what could we do? I think it is realistic to now at this point try to fight for a top four finish, right? We're tied for that spot right now. Um, and the teams above us, Stanford and Utah, like we are we gotta get them back because we've lost to them. And Colorado, we still play on our home floor. So, you know, we, we, we control all the controllables there. It'll probably take six of nine or seven of nine to, to get to a top four spot, and then we see what happens in the Pac 12 tournament. Um, you know, I do think it's important that we at least fight to, you know, get, you know, I don't know, seven of the last nine, if not at, at the very least six of them, and no more losses that look like Utah and such. Winning, I think is important from here on out. Like we said after Utah that that's not important. Like that, that's done now. Now we need to win because these players need to know what it means to win and, and get that back into the program. Here's
0: what we have going for us. I think five out of the nine games um, that we have upcoming are at home. Two of those road games are at Washington and Washington State, and the other two are at, at the Bay Area schools this week. So the schedule from that perspective is, is pretty favorable, right? If we are looking at some sort of 2020 type run, it, 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 it makes it a little easier to play the majority of those games at home. And I think you're right. I, I don't think that we will have it in us to win 8 of 9 or 9 of 9 because I think that is the type of run we need to, to be, get on um, to be on that bubble before we go into the Pac-12 tournament. I do think that the Pac-12 tournament is going to be our best bet to getting into, this, into the the um, big dance this season. And that's fine. I, I think what we said a, f- a few weeks ago, right, is, hey, at this point, we just want to see improvement and consistent improvement. And with that comes winning. And I think that still holds true. But I think now we do expect some winning. <laughs> um like you said we've seen this team to a point where they can win games so let's actually try to win these games and let's see how we can fight for getting into the Pac-12 um going getting that top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament and potentially even getting into the the big dance I I'm, I'm excited to see how this this season shapes up um or, or how the, the final stretch shapes up. I think there's there's a lot to watch for. There's a lot to play for, right? Every game is super important now. Um, this isn't any, uh, this isn't kind of the season we thought it was going to be a few weeks ago where we're kind of dead in the water. There's some life here, um, which makes it's it exciting. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's it's fun to watch this young team grow. I, I think, obviously, we wish we weren't in this position, but at least it, it, there's something to root for here.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Just you know, the the can they do it factor, right, is back into season, and the hope is that each week that keeps progressing, right. Um, I think we have a tricky game this weekend in Palo this this week this Wednesday in Palo Alto because uh, Stanford is a streaky shooting team. Um, you know, they 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 can go on random three point shooting runs, uh, and then they can also just go cold and suck. So i i think that's a sneaky tricky game there obviously cal at the weekend but yeah i mean the you know the intrigue factor now is is definitely back i mean let's be clear our expectations haven't changed here right like this is the improvement season but next year we expect to be back competing for a protected seed in the ncaa tournament right like fighting for the west regional spots um like the whole nine yards like this is a one-year deal here, so I think the best way to get back there is to show that we can win games this year, uh, like improve, develop, and get your, the team to a point where everyone's happy, confident, and feeling good that they're here and excited about the year, the next year ahead.
0: I would love to see at least seven more wins, with two of those being over SC in Arizona.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean. I'd also like but, a revenge win over Utah. Yeah, I mean, the Utah that that home stand is obvious is also a big one because Colorado and Utah are and are probably our best chances at quote unquote quad one type wins outside of Arizona. Um, there aren't a whole lot left on the schedule here. Washington State is another one, uh, so. I mean, at this point, every game is the biggest game. Um, It's just, that's just the the reality we live in. So let's see if we can win two this week. Um,
0: Buried in a lot of this, I do want to point out, because we haven't talked about this. um, The win in Galen Center was Mick Cronin's first victory over the Trojans at that stadium, which is wild to think. And I think it's really funny that Probably our worst team uh, under McCronin is the team that he finally got over that hump. So uh, finally, happy to get that monkey off our back. That was that was a fun fun game, especially you know with all the hoopla around that program going into this season. Seeing them just suck miserably um, has been kind of uh, entertaining. Uh, and then to go into to the Galen Center and whoop them by fifteen points um, was very very satisfying.
1: Yeah, I mean the the whole Dylan Andrews stopping the Bruin killer thing. That that was I think when we all thought, "Whoa, we might have something here." Because because Boogie, especially in the beginning of that game, and Boogie was just like walked into two threes, and you're like, "Oh, here we go again." Yeah, right. Uh, and it never really materialized after that um and plus that was also a very efficient you know Cronin math kind of game. we destroyed u s c on the in the glass in that game, and you know both teams shot badly. we just shot fourteen more times.
0: hey, Cronin math works the brutal math it always always wins it always wins um yeah, so Stanford on Wednesday at six PM Pacific, and then Cal on Saturday at two thirty. Both, again, like you mentioned, I think this is a good way to put it. Every game is an, is uh, a must win. So let's see how we do against the Bay Area. Bay, ah, cannot speak the Bay Area schools. Um, hopefully, we we get some
1: revenge here, and uh, I'll probably be out the game on Saturday. So that'll be there fun. you go.
0: Uh, we'll look for you on TV.
1: Yeah, me and all the five people there. <laughs>
0: that's a, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you'll be easier to spot that way. Um, on the women's side of things, things have been Oof. a little little diceier. Also, um, you know, we, we we took a couple of losses um, to Utah and and whatnot, and then this past Sunday. Unfortunately, Stanford just walloped walloped that team. I think Corey Close is uh, is having is is kind of seeing a little bit of turbulence in the water here. So I'm curious to see how we navigate out of that. But it's very clear when Lauren Betts is not playing and she is not uh, able to contribute to this team. I think things get a little little uneven for for the the Bruins so I'm curious to see what Corey Close can do to kind of right the ship here because things are not looking as rosy as they were a month ago um, when we
1: were the number two team in the country um, yeah and you hope Lauren Betts is okay right because it's a undisclosed medical reason um, that she's missing games right now and Corey Close has said that she expects her back um, so you hope she's okay but Definitely, um, you know, without I mean, we're two and two without her right now, uh, and and that's it. The, the game against Stanford was was definitely bad. So, hopefully, again, we can right the ship. We just got through kind of a gauntlet there. I mean, the the Pac-12 in, in women's basketball is, is is quite the gauntlet. So, you know, now we we get to go on a a little bit of an easier stretch here before we go to go to Oregon State, um, and I think we only got one more top ten team left. Uh, to, to finish the year So let's see what we do Someone needs to
0: help Charisma Osborne out I mean she's been playing out of her mind uh, So Somebody somebody, step up and help her out Because she's she's been incredible But yeah I mean Look I think the expectations Are still there for this team right Assuming Lauren Betts comes back This is still a, should be a Final four type team uh, And I think Anything short of that would be a major disappointment. Just with the the level of talent and depth that we have this season, uh, and and the sen- senior leadership on this team, it would be it would be kind of a, a shortcoming uh, for for this team. So, yeah, let's let's hope Lauren Betts is back uh, ASAP, and then we can uh, hopefully get back to some winning ways there. Anything anything we missed, Kevin? Anything else we want to talk about?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I think we got it all. All right. Well, uh, we will catch you hopefully next week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the other uh, podcast platforms that you might be using. We should be there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll get the show up. Uh, and as always, we uh, go Bruins. Go Bruins.